welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Exodus 20 today, if you want to turn there, continuing our series. I want to share with you a story, something that happened to me a long time ago. Uh, when I graduated college, I had this opportunity to go to the country of Turkey in the Middle East. Some of you have heard me talk about this trip before. It really did change my life quite a bit. And while we were in this country of Turkey, we went to a place, a little small town of about 2,000 people called Selçuk. Now, Selçuk is the current town that is on the area or within the area of where Ephesus used to be. And this little town of Selçuk, while it's modern, when you go to the Middle East, there are old things all around you. Right behind our hotel, there was an aqueduct running and it ran across the road and up to a hill and you could see these ruins that are up here on the board behind me uh, there that you could go kind of explore around. There were trails and stuff. And so I grabbed a couple of buddies when we had some free time and said, I want to go see what those ruins are all about. It was kind of evening time and, and we started working our way up through there, looking at the pillars, looking at the structures, all the marble, all of those things and as we were working up through there a, a gentleman from Turkey he came walking up to us he's smiling and he was very friendly and he, believe, he began to kind of tell us some of the history of the area he said um, back in biblical times if you'll remember Jesus is on the cross and, and he looks down at John and he looks down at his mother Mary and he says John take care of my mother well Christian tradition has told us that, that John took Mary to the city of Ephesus and he said the reason that this hill is special is that this is the hill on which John traditionally sat on when he wrote the Gospel of John. The very Gospel of John that's in your Bibles, he wrote sitting on that particular hill. When John died, he was buried on this hill. And since at least the second or third century, there have been different churches have been built over the place of John's um, tomb. He said, my job is I'm here. They hire me at nighttime to come. I'm doing restoration work around here. And of course, if you know me, there's two things that will really get my blood pumping. One of them is old things. Like I love old things. That's why I love some of y'all. I'm sorry. That wasn't nice. But I, this, I love old things. Like it really excites me. And the other thing is, is biblical things. And so this guy is telling me I'm standing on a hill where the apostle John stood and that his tomb is very close. And he said, do you want to see it? I said, yes, I want to see it. Where is it at? Let's go check it out. And so he took us. It was just right around the corner, took us over some trails and stuff. And we went up and this is what we found. Next picture coming up. This is the traditional burial site of the Apostle John. It has been rumored to be this site going all the way back to at least the late 2nd or early 3rd century. So for about 17 to 1800 years, this is where the Apostle John has been rumored to be buried. And I was here and I took both of those pictures and I was just in awe of this place. I was like, oh my goodness, this is where John's at. Now, to be fair, I did not dig up the ground and go converse with the bones and ask them who they belonged to. So I don't know if John was there, but when something's been tradition for over a thousand years, kind of makes me think there was a reason for that and so I was really excited and all of a sudden my two buddies that I was with we had a buddy system they decided it was time to go I said Brian let's go I said what you want to leave well where else are you going to see the grave of an apostle let me just enjoy this for a second and, and they turned off and started walking away and as they went they kept saying Brian it's time to go we got to go we got to go now and then I suddenly I noticed something in the tone of my friends 
There, there tended to be this, the, the tone got a little louder and there was this tone of desperation. And I turned around and they had already rounded the corner and were gone and I could hear them yelling. I said, Brian, come with us now. And so I went and caught up with them. I was like, what's wrong with y'all? That was a once in a lifetime opportunity to see that. And you're running away. They said, Brian, there were other people hiding in the rocks. There, there were other people there. And what we found out and the story that we've had to tell everybody except for our parents is that we almost got robbed in Turkey. That was what this guy had done. We saw him later. He was not hired to restore that church. He was a local thug and he had drawn us back into these runs, probably with the thought of robbing us. Now, the next day, we kind of laughed it off. You know, young, uh, young men, we were sure everything was going to be okay. And we met up with our tour guide the next morning who was going to tour us around this area. He took us to the Temple of Artemis, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. And then he took us to Ephesus proper, which was a story for another time. But we got to walk the streets of Ephesus, the very same Ephesus that Paul preached at, that uh, the book of Ephesians was written to. And after we spent all day walking around Ephesus, our tour guide said, I've got one more place I want to show you before you leave Selchuk, a place that you need to see. And so we came up to this gate and at this gate we had to pay a mission and we went in the gate and we were standing in these runs and, and he said to us, he said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the runs of St. John's Basilica and just around that corner over there you'll find the tomb of John. Uh, so here's what we learned through this whole experience and, and here's the point of this. In that we learned the importance of the right guide the right one to take you where you need to go because our first tour guide although he seemed like he knew what he was doing he took us to a place that we weren't supposed to be in the middle of the night and we broke laws to get there the second guide took us legally during the daytime and it was an experience we should have enjoyed the right tour guide with the right experience and the right motive is important guys I want you to know that I am notorious in the Middle East for breaking into historical sites I'm a wanted man in Turkey you go to Turkey there's all of these wanted posters like the old west looking for me and that's just something I needed to admit to you because this first tour guide took us in a way and he guided us in a way that was wrong now what's my point with all of this we're getting there I promise we've been in a series called written in stone and when we're working our way going through the ten commandments as deeply as we can possibly go learning about God and we've completed commandments one through four which dealt with building the correct relationship between us and God uh, commandments five through ten still honor God but it's how we honor God by how we build the relationships with the people around us so if you've got your Bibles let's read Exodus 20 this is verse 12 a very short verse this morning honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee that's that's the fifth commandment that's that's all there is to it honor your mother and father now I found it interesting that when God kind of changes gears with his rules he's been teaching us about making sure that we follow his rules with relationship to him when he begins to address our human relationships what's the first human relationship that he gives us what's the first one that God addresses God addresses our relationship with our parents and how we are supposed to relate to them and I'm going to call our parents today I'm going to call them our tour guides for life 
Now let me explain that analogy because that's not something I made up because it matched a story I had and it sounds really good. Let me explain the analogy here. In the book of 1 Peter, Peter writing to us, he tells us that we are sojourners. That's a very fancy word for people who are traveling through or living in a foreign land. And this is how Peter describes Christians, that we do not belong in this world. We are foreigners here. We are living in a foreign land. What's another word for a foreigner living in a land? You would call them a tourist, correct? And so in God's infinite wisdom, in making sure that as we visit this foreign land, as we live in this world, he knew that we would need tour guides. Now, if you've ever traveled, you know a tour guide is someone who is familiar with the area that helps you navigate the problems of the area. If that tour guide had been there the night before I broke into that church, or the night I broke into that old ancient church, he would have said, don't go there at night. They rob people there. But I didn't have that guide to tell me what to do. And so God gives us guides that are familiar with the area. God gives us parents that are familiar with this word to guide us and to train us. Now, remember, the Ten Commandments is about the original plan of God. When God created this world, it was free from sin. And so God is trying to take us back, you and me currently, back to this area where we become more and more holy and we sin less and less. The Ten Commandments is about bringing us back to the originality of creation. And when he talks about this in the fifth commandment, when he's trying to bring us back to his original plan, his directions deal with two people. Now, first, these people are husband and wife, and then they become father and mother when they have children. So the plan in Genesis 1 was that one man and one woman would have children, and that those parents would train those children, they would be their tour guide for this world. And the Bible gives us a lot of instruction to the importance of this from both directions. The Bible has a lot of practical advice for us as parents, how to parent, what should be important in our kids' life, how we are to train them and how we are to guide them. But it also spends a lot of time going back the other direction. It's how we are to relate to our parents since God has given them to be our tour guides. And what we have in the fifth commandment is that within this family, we're going to call it the family unit, God designed it in which our parents would be honored. And the reason for this is we must respect and honor our parents in their job as tour guides. So parents are tour guides. They, they grow up, they learn to navigate the world, they learn how to avoid sin, they have children, they raise those children up in how to navigate the world and avoid sin, and they grow up and they get married and they become parents, and this cycle is supposed to repeat. This is how God designed the world to work, is through a family unit where older generations train the next generation. Our first take-home truth is this, is God designed the family unit to train the next generations. Just let that sink in for a second. God designed the family unit to train the next generations. Now, what we see is when our family units are effective and they stay together, this is proven by statistics, that society will thrive. But when you see the breakdown of the family unit that God designed to train the next generation, you will see within a generation or two, you will see society start to break down as well. We're experiencing this currently in America. After going through the sexual revolution of the 1970s, we have seen an increased breakdown of the family unit in this country, and we are now suffering the effects of that as a country. So here's the statistics, if you want to look at the statistics of what happens when the family unit as a whole in society 
it begins to break down. Spouses, spouses who are part of a family unit breakdown, compared to those who are still in an intact family unit, are more prone to alcoholism, in general live shorter lifespans, have a higher occurrence of suicide, and live with less accumulated wealth. That's the breakdown of the family unit and how it affects the adults, the mother and the father, the spouses. Children also see some effects from the breakdown of the family unit. So children who live in a broken family unit compared to those living in an intact family unit lose emotional connection to both parents. In studies found when children come from um, a, a family unit that is broke down, they will rate both of their parents as less caring than their counterparts coming from an intact family unit. These children deal with more anxiety and depression, increased sexual act activity, they suffer academically and physically, and they are more likely to abandon their faith when they grow old. Now, if you add all of this together, what does this tell us about the family unit's effect on society? You add all of this together, this is what we're seeing, is that future generations are losing competence. There is a decline in religious activity. We are seeing earlier in moral, more sexual experimentation, higher rates of poverty, and higher crime rates. And God wanted to protect us from all of this. All of the things I just listed on that, that was not in God's original plan for you and me. He, he designed the family unit in which mother and father, honored by their children, are tour guides for the world, training the kids up and avoiding all of the things that we just listed. So I guess I'd just put it this way is surprise, God's way just works better. That's all there is to it. And so when we see a competent tour guide that equals better tourists, now let's look at his design and how he designed it according to the scripture. Our second take-home truth comes in three parts. Here's the first one. God gives us tour guides, which are our parents, for the purpose of, number one, learning authority. Some of you will remember this uh, story from 2013. We won't say his name because we are a church that believes in respect and honor and grace, but you'll probably recognize the scenario. In 2013, a, a young teen uh, robbed a Walmart. He stole two cases of beer, and later that night, he was driving in his truck with his friends. He was going through a residential area doing uh, 30 miles over the speed limit. As he came around a curve, there were two families trying to get a stalled vehicle out of the road, and he ran into the vehicles, killing four, severely injuring at least two more, one of those being paralyzed. When the police arrived and checked him out, they found that he had, number one, three times the legal limit of alcohol in his blood for an adult to be driving, as well as traces of marijuana. He was arrested and booked on four cases of intoxicated manslaughter. Four cases of intoxicated manslaughter would have got him 20 years in prison. His lawyer came up with a new defense that had never been heard of and, and gathered a lot of popularity and publicity at this time. It's the, the affluenza defense. That's not influenza. That's something that makes you sick. Affluenza. And this was his lawyer's argument and what they had uh, experts come in and argue in his case is that because he was raised in an upper middle class wealthy, upper middle class wealthy-ish family, that his parents had never trained him, they had never put rules before him, they had never taught him to respect authority, that his mind was not capable of understanding rules and authority, and therefore he was not guilty and he was not uh, punishable for the things that he had done because he just didn't understand authority. And of course, this equaled a lot of outrage across America when he was, instead of being punished, reprimanded to a short rehab where he was then released, and of course he's been arrested multiple times since then. 
Now, this is not about our opinions of how that court system went. This is not our opinions of that lawyer. And this is not for us to judge that young man. But this court case tells us something. It tells us the truth about the world is that parents are responsible for instilling a sense of authority within their children. That, that's even, even the secular world agrees with that. Even the secular world knows that that's how it's supposed to go. As a matter of fact, with this court ruling, it tells us that the world sees more importance in parents instilling a no, um, an understanding of authority in their children. It, it puts more value on that than it does valuing personal responsibility. This young man was let off the hook because he had been taught or had never been taught to respect and understand authority. So for you and I, if we can take the implications of that, if these people will come and willingly admit we didn't teach him to respect our authority, therefore he doesn't understand the authority of laws or the authority of the government, for you and I as Christians, we've got to think about a higher authority. If we don't teach our children as parents, if we don't as a church and as Christians stand on the authority of parents, how are we going to teach our children who have never learned about authority, how will we teach them the authority of God? See, the fifth commandment is about that family unit. The fifth commandment is about making sure that this world runs the way that God wants it to run. But the fifth commandment shows us a little bit more. It's, it's God revealing himself and how he wants us to understand his authority. If you, if you look at biblically how this is supposed to play out, biblically, God is revealing himself to us in the family unit. If, if we follow the biblical guidelines, and I know this doesn't always work this way, but if we follow the biblical guidelines, in order to be a mother and a father, you must first be a husband and wife. I understand that it doesn't work that way and we're not here to judge anybody, but that is how God has laid it out if we follow him from a very young age. Husband and wife become father and mother. And so in this sense, we see that the father and mother that we are to honor are parents after marriage. What is marriage a picture of? Marriage, if, if you didn't know this, you need to know this. Marriage is not about your happiness. Marriage is not about waking up with somebody you love every day. That's not the core of marriage. Marriage is a picture of God's love for his church. God relates his love to us through marriage, calling himself the groom and calling us the bride again and again and again and again. And so in under God's guidelines, you see that children are going to grow up honoring a father and mother. And in that case, they honor a picture of God's glory. And because we honor that picture of God's glory, that points for the right for God to have authority. Honoring our parents equals honoring God. Take home truth number two. Part two here is that God gives us tour guides for the purpose of avoiding consequences. This, this commandment is the only one that comes with a promise. Listen to what it says. Honor your mother and father that your days on earth may be long. This is the only commandment in which God gives us a criteria for doing something and then he tells us about the consequences or lack of consequences that comes with that particular thing. In the Bible, honoring parents is linked to a long life. It is linked to us living a long time. Now, I hesitate to say that God is standing in heaven waiting to strike somebody with lightning because they are disrespectful to their parents. I don't think that's what it means. But God did link this in his word to living a long time. Imagine it this way. Most of us drive in here. 
right? And when we drive, there are guidelines for us in how we drive. Specifically, there are two lines on the road. On the left side, there's a yellow line, and that yellow line serves a very, very important purpose. That yellow line is there to guide you as you drive, and you can cross that yellow line if you want to, but you will find yourself in the way of oncoming traffic. You do that very much, you do that very often, and something bad will absolutely end up happening to you at some point. On the other side of the road is a white line. The the white line is there for a different but equally important purpose. The white line does not keep you from going into oncoming traffic, but it helps you avoid the ditches and it helps you avoid the obstacles that might be off the road. And it is only when we guide our vehicles between the yellow and the white line that most of the time it will keep us from danger. You're welcome to ignore either of those lines as much as you want to, but you're not welcome to be free of the consequences of ignoring those lines. Across the yellow line, you'll hit a car. Across the white line, you'll hit a tree or a dog or a culvert or a ditch or a sign or something. See, the lines are there to keep us from danger. And I think, I think parents are much the same way. You have two parents, a, a father and a mother. And they serve equal yet somewhat separate roles. Anybody who's ever had a child will tell you that moms and dads are not equally suited for certain tasks. And so each of these parents has a job that is a guidance away from some sort of danger. And the opposite of having a long life, the long life that is promised here to us in the scripture is having what? An early death. And when we think about the concept of death biblically, this is a, this is a hard concept for us. But the, the truth of it is, is death is a result of what? It's a result of sin. And so what God is telling us here is as the job of parents and, and honoring our parents is that parent, parental guidance helps us escape, or not escape, helps us avoid the consequences of sin, which are death. See, sin has built-in consequences to it. Sin is anything we do that God is uh, not pleased with. The first consequence of sin is that we insult the God who created us. We put a chasm between us and Him. We make Him feel less loved. We tell Him we care more about our opinions than His. But the other one is because God provided this world, or because God created this world perfectly, Sin is imperfect, and therefore sin has consequences in this life and in the next. And so parents, the job of parents is to train us away from the danger of sin. Parents, listen very carefully. Parental authority is not for you. That's not why God gave you parental authority. It's not for your good. Parental authority is for the protection and the guidance of your children. That's why God gave you that. The next one, our next of our three things, is God gives us tour guides for the purpose of honoring them. This is the crux of the entire commandment, is to honor your father and your mother. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that I have to buy them a plaque and buy them flowers every Father's and Mother's Day? Does that mean I just have to talk highly about them and not talk down to them? Does it mean I have to obey? Does honor equal obey? What does the word honor mean? If you look at the word honor, just simply means to be to be thankful for or to prize them. And so what God lays out in this commandment is not so much about our actions, it's it's about our heart. It's about how we value our parents. How, How do we value their job? Their job as the one who protects us from consequences. Their job as the one who teaches us authority and ultimately their job as the one who guides us towards God. And because of this, we as Christians, because we believe in the goodness of God, we place a high priority on valuing parents. 
honoring our parents, valuing them, valuing the other parents in the room with us, and valuing the job of parents across, um, across our lives, anywhere that we come in contact with it. Now, some of you, this is a popular commandment for you. This is a popular commandment for parents. You're like, okay, authority, I like that. Obey me, honor, yes. In fact, some of your kids are gonna have to receive medical treatment because you've been like elbowing them every time you want them to hear something. You need to listen to this message about honoring your parents. But parents, I wanna just slow down on your celebrating just a little bit. Because while the Bible gives very clear instructions about parental authority and honoring our, par- our parents, that's not something that we should be excited about. See, most often when the Bible assigns authority to somebody, the Bible also assigns a degree of responsibility. And so parents, if you're listening to this and you're just enjoying this a little bit, honestly, you should be convicted Because these jobs that we're laying out, these are big jobs. Being a parent is more than making sure your kids get those chicken nuggets, get bath time, go to bed and make good grades. Being a parent is about honoring God in the way that you raise your children. There's a lot riding on you. And because you have this authority, you have the responsibility to be a good God, good guide, and you have the responsibility to be a godly guide. And so before we celebrate before we get too excited and before we go, man, I wish my kids were here to do this, I think, as the Bible always does, it should shed a light upon me and you. Have we been perfect in being a good, godly guide? How good are we at training our kids for authority? How good are we at being parents that can be honored? How good are we at teaching our kids to avoid consequences? Our next take-home truth is where God places authority with parents, God places responsibility as well. When I've traveled to different countries and when I was in Turkey, the tour guides had a responsibility. And the responsibility was to those that they toured around with. The responsibility was to get these tourists from one place to another safely and effectively. Never have I been in another country where the guide looked at me and goes, there's an authentic Turkish restaurant over there that you would love, but it's expensive and it's crowded and I want to get home early, so I'm going to take you to my favorite McDonald's. Never has a guide done that. A guide's purpose is not to look out for themselves. A tour guide's purpose is to look out for the tourists, for the one that they are guiding, never to be obsessed with themselves or their control, but to be obsessed with serving, protecting, and loving others. And part of this responsibility, parents, is teaching your children everything in the Bible, everything you're capable of teaching them in the Bible. And part of this responsibility of teaching them the Bible is to teach them this commandment. To honor their parents, to to honor both parents. I think we need to take a break and step back and, and we need to speak into something that is is very common in our society and it's it's becoming very common in our churches. And I want you to know that if you feel like this applies to you, this this is not meant to condemn you. This is not meant to to attack you. This is meant to grow you. See, I know that some of us in here is, we got married and we were shocked when we found out we married a human being who was fallible and who made mistakes and who didn't do everything exactly the way that we wanted them to do. And and we carry a bit of a grudge about that because this is not what I signed up for when I get married. 
I know that some of us are coming from a, a family unit that, that didn't work out for some reason. And maybe you look back at that and you see your mistakes or maybe, maybe really it wasn't your fault. Maybe it was something your spouse did. Maybe the other parent of your child was just a bad parent. Maybe they weren't there. Maybe they didn't care enough. Maybe they didn't come to the games. Maybe they didn't pay child support. Maybe, maybe we were just by ourselves. And maybe you're even a grandparent in here and you've watched your children's family unit fall apart. And for all of those things, for some reason, you carry a degree of anger. I'm frustrated at the way my marriage worked out. I hurt because I couldn't make it work with my spouse. I'm so mad at that person that married my child and broke their heart. And, and here's what pain often turns to. Pain turns into anger. And one of the things that we are doing as a society is we're passing our pain and our anger down to our children. And you want the child to understand that, that you weren't the bad guy. It wasn't your fault that it, it was the, the dad's fault or the mom's fault. It, it wasn't your fault. You tried your best, but, but they messed up and it's their fault. And you want so deeply for your children to understand that you forgot to teach them to honor their other parent. If we're going to honor our parents, if we're going to have our children honor our parents, we must teach them by example to honor both parents, no matter how fallible, no matter how many mistakes they've made. See, you can't dishonor the other parent and expect them to honor you. And that might be the plan for you. You might be hoping that you can put enough doubt in a child's mind that they'll want to live with you or with your child if you're a grandparent. You might be trying to put enough doubt in them to make them expect, respect, and love you more. You might deep down want to hurt your spouse or your ex-spouse. But listen to me, if we're doing this, we are teaching our children rebellion and rebellion is the essence of sin and we are provoking sin that puts our children at odds with God and keeps them from learning authority and learning consequences. Listen, if you're doing this to your children, I love you very much, but you need to know you are hurting your children if you're talking bad about one of their parents. And if you're here and you're a parent or a grandparent, a step-parent, an aunt or an uncle, and, and you've fallen into this trap, I'm not here to talk down to you. I want to make that very clear. But I, I would like to call you to repentance for this, that, that you go to God and you tell him that, that you messed up and not helping your children honor their other parent. And after you do that, I would highly suggest that you take your children, whether they're young or whether they're in their middle age, 40s, middle age, whatever, that you sit down with them and you explain to them how you messed up and that you're trying to do better in following God and you apologize to them and tell them that you want to help them honor their parent the way that God has called us to. So you have a responsibility not only to the type of parent you are, but helping your kids honor yourself and your other parent. And some of us here, we understand that responsibility of a parent more than, more than others. And it's not because you're a great parent, it's, it's because your parents weren't so great. Your parents weren't what they were supposed to be. Your parents didn't take that responsibility the way that you should have, and you've probably carried that a long time. 
couple years ago, we went to church camp. And at our church camp, they do something I think is phenomenal. One of the pastors had this ideal for what he calls late night. And what they do is they take the older teens after service at about 10 o'clock at night, and they bring them back into the sanctuary. And they have a question and answer series where children can put anonymous questions into a box all week long. And on Wednesday night, a panel of pastors, youth pastors, and college students sits on the stage, and they answer the questions of their children. And you get lots of questions that are, that are just awkward, questions about how do, I, how do I deal with not really understanding my faith? Questions like, how do I deal with this? What if I messed up? What about sexuality? I need to know these answers. Questions that teens would not ask in person, but they'll write them on a piece of paper and they'll turn them in anonymously. And this, pa- this panel of pastors and mature Christians gives this guidance to this group of people on these questions that are too hard to ask in person. We were there a few years ago and, and one of the questions that was asked, the only question I've ever remembered being asked from late night was this. Some teenager in the crowd asked, how do I honor my parents when they don't live an honorable life? And I can tell you being in that room, I I felt the question. I, I felt the heaviness of heart that question came from. I knew where they had been because I had seen it as a school teacher. I've seen kids who want to do the right thing and they live with parents who are hard to honor. I've seen it with kids that I've taught in church that they come from bad situations and I felt the, the heaviness of that question of somebody who wanted to follow God and who wanted to do what was right but they were having to fight against their parents to do it. And you may be sitting here today And you're asking that same question. And this is not a message for teenagers. You may be 60, 70, 80 years old, and you may have that that you're carrying around with your children or with with your parents from when you were a child. How do I honor my parents when they weren't good guides, when they weren't godly guides? How do I honor my parents when they weren't there for me and they didn't take care of me? How do I honor that? How do I value their place as a guide when they didn't guide? How do I value their authority when they abused it? How do I value their ability to guide me out of consequences when I spent my life living through the consequences of their actions? Brian, how do I honor that? How am I about, how am I about to value them and prize them? If that's you, I feel your heart too. And I have an answer how we value parents who are unhonorable. Because honestly, if this is a commandment we struggle with, if we struggle with honoring our parents, there's only one of two ways. Either we're the most rebellious person in the room or our parents did something that we think has excused us from having to honor them. Here's the answer. If you are a follower of Christ, your definition of value is different than the world's. See, a world, the world assigns value to people based on what you can do for me. If you make me feel good, if you help me out, if you serve me in some way, I value you more because of that. That it makes you worth more in my opinion. Our definition is different. We don't have the luxury of getting to value people based on what they do for us. See, biblically, honor, honor and respect and love these are not things we give people because they've earned them. Honor and respect and love are not things that we give people because of who they are. Honor, respect, and love are things that we give people because of who we are. 
So who are you? If you don't know the answer to that question, I, I can define it for you if you're a follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a disciple and a student of God and you have committed your life to live by his example. And as Jesus Christ walked this earth, how did he walk it? He honored the unhonorable. He respected the unrespectable. He loved the unlovable. He valued those with no value. And if you're sitting here today and thinking you can be a Christian and ignore commandment number five because your parents messed up, you're sitting here and thinking, I don't have to do this because they didn't earn it. They don't have to. That's not what the Bible calls us to be if we are followers of Christ. And I'd like to gently remind you that this commandment was written over 3,000 years ago. Over 3,000 years ago, God put this with his own hand into stone. And that may make it seem old and old-fashioned, and it may not seem like it applies today. It may not seem like it applies to your situation. But listen carefully to me. Even 3,000 years ago, God already knew you. And God already knew your circumstances. And he wrote it to you anyway. To honor your father and your mother. To honor your parents and the, the position and the authority that he gave them. And you may be sitting here going, I don't know where to start. How do I look past my pain? How do I look past my frustration? How do I get rid of all of these years of feeling like I've had to fight with my parents? How do I get past that? How do I begin to honor my parents? Because I want to follow God and I want to glorify him with my decisions and my relationships. How do I do that? In your case, it comes down to two things. The, the first of which is compassion. Compassion just simply means that I understand that my parents are broken individuals just like me and everybody else in this room. That, that their misunderstanding of God's word or their inability to follow God's word, to live honorably, was because they fell into a trap of sin like every human being does. And if you can come to that moment of compassion, then you can come to that moment of forgiveness. I've heard people say, and I've said, I can't forgive people. I can't let it go. I try, but I can't. That's not true. Forgiveness is a choice that you make. A choice where you sit down with God and you say, God, I make a choice to follow you. I make a choice to forgive. I make a choice not to hold this against them, not to bring it up when we have fights. God, I make a choice to be like you. And if you look at those two things, compassion and forgiveness, isn't that a picture of the God that we serve? God came into this earth and he could have said, I'm not going to honor them. I'm not going to respect them. They didn't earn it. But Jesus Christ looked at you and me with compassion. And he said, he said, they fell into a trap of sin. And he made the choice, even though it cost him great personal pain, he made the choice to forgive. And our ultimate goal, if you're a follower of Christ, is not what makes me happy. Our ultimate goal is not to even grow this church. Our ultimate goal is this, is that when people see our lives, when people see our lives, that God is glorified within it. How better can we glorify God than for us to live the way that he lived, to be a picture of him on this earth, to let his love, his compassion, and his forgiveness flow through us. And if we do that, listen, you have an opportunity that very few people have if you're sitting here and you have a problem with the honoring of parents. You have an opportunity to take the love of Christ and show it to your own parents. Many people don't have that opportunity. 
Many people don't get that opportunity because they never came to Christ or their parents grew up or raised them Christianly, but you have a blessing of an opportunity that some of the rest of us don't have. See, when we come into contact with undeserved love, it changes us. You're a Christian, why? Because you came into contact with the undeserved love of Christ and you are different now than you were then. And when we can take that love of Christ and we can flow it into the world and we can flow it into our families and if need be, we can flow it into our parents, God is waiting to change them. You and I have the opportunity to extend that love to them. Where's Liv? Come on up here. So my question for us this morning as as we come through this is, have we been, number one, what we're supposed to be is honoring God and glorifying Him. Do we need to take an example from Jesus Christ and become people of compassion and become people of forgiveness even though our hearts are broken just like His was? And if you need help getting there, I'm not gonna be able to help you with that. I'll be honest with you. But focusing on the compassion and the love of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is what gives us the ability to have compassion and forgiveness on others. This is our response time. This is a time for you not to sing a song, but for you to take what you learned here and apply it to your life. And, and maybe you need to apply, maybe you need to apply being a more honorable parent. Maybe you need to apply honoring your parent, but maybe you need to apply knowing the one who calls himself Father. And you need to take that compassion and forgiveness that he offers us and you need to apply it to your life. This is your time to talk with God.